of the Old Covenant. All that God revealed in the Old Testament needs to be understood, however, as a preparation of God's redemptive work through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And our Lord Jesus Christ himself has said in John 5, verse 39, that um, and he said it to the Jews who were always busy with the Old Testament, and he assures them that the Old Testament scriptures bear witness of him. The Old Testament, so to speak, is all about him. And so also Psalm 145 speaks of Christ. King David, king of Israel, wrote this psalm. And yet he has his eyes, his attention on another king and another kingdom. When first one speaks about my God and king. And when later on, reference is made of God's kingdom. It's even said it is an everlasting kingdom. In that way, praise is given for the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Indeed, at the time of Psalm 145, when it was written, God was about to raise us, to raise up among the people of Israel the kingdom, the reign, the dominion of our King, Jesus Christ. For it was on account of Christ that from the beginning, God's covenant with, people, with the people of Israel was chosen out of all nations. It was also on account of Christ that God gave his law to them and his detailed instructions for worship. Therefore, beloved, though Christ isn't mentioned in Psalm 145, we do well to recognize that the luxuriant abundance of words and expressions about God's character encourage, yes, stimulate us to worship God with great urgency, with the intensity, because of Christ's redemptive work. And so when we praise God with admiration, we do so because of who God is in Christ. When we worship God with adoration, we devote ourselves to God in Christ. We give in God our witnessing praise. Then we proclaim God again to be our king in Christ. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, in the most exalted manner, the psalmist David praises God's mercy. Also, his infinite power and providence. God's people then are encouraged to worship him at a very high note. And so the message of God's word this morning is God's overwhelming mercy, power, and providence make God's people give him cast 
cascading praise. It is admiration praise, it is adoration praise, and it is proclamation praise. Well, beloved, David starts with the word I. I will praise. I. Yet this is not a self-assertive I. Here, David doesn't draw attention to himself. He doesn't place the emphasis on himself. He doesn't give a show of his own abilities. The words that well up in his heart and come from his mouth are not his own artistic creation, not at all. The eye of David is fed by God's Holy Spirit. His other psalms testify to that. For example, Psalm 86, to mention one. And at Psalm 86, David confesses of himself I am poor and needy. And so, in full dependence of the Lord, he asked there, teach me, in Psalm 86, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart that I may fear your name. In that way, he gives praise to God with his whole heart, with all his strength. Behind his word of praise in this psalm is his, indeed, his believing and humble heart. Therefore, he is not boasting in or admiring his own power or glory. His glory is God is fully David's focus. And he therefore he praises him as my God and my King. He admires his Lord for his greatness, his grace, and his goodness. And so it's abundantly clear that in Psalm 145, not a proud man is speaking like someone as King Nebuchadnezzar later on praised himself, by saying, look, look what I have done, what I have built, the great city of Babel. And I have this great land, I made that land. Not at all. David doesn't do that, but he praises his majestic God as the fountain of all good. And his praise is exuberant. It's cascades from his lips like a waterfall because, because he is overwhelmed by God's greatness. The words tumble one over another. They claim God for his great and majestic deeds. In several rounds of words with a similar meaning, he brings glory to the God of heaven and earth. There is no difference of meaning between the verbs extol, bless, or praise. 
The usage of the different words indicate that praise of God and praise to God should be continually be given, constantly be given. Like the, say, the Niagara waterfalls, they don't stop flowing as it cascades more than 50 meters down the escarpment. So godly praise should constantly drone, it should constantly cascade from God's people in what they do, in what they speak, in what they sing. You know what? Our praise doesn't even stop at our death. Indeed, the scope of our constant praise is beyond the grave. Verse 1 and 2 express that praise to God is forever and ever. It's even also repeated at the end of the psalm. David's praise also shows that for him, God is not just a mere thought or a feeling. Neither is it a dream or a religious idea. <coughs> God reveals himself as a person. God speaks. He speaks to his people. God loves. He loves us. God disciplines people, even his people too. And he cares for us. He cares for young and old, for the children here, the middle-aged, seniors. God cares for everyone. He daily comes to our aid. And he also sets us straight indeed when we fall. Our God gives us life, and we trust that he will make our lives perfect and glorious. That serves to be repeated. God gives us life, and we may trust that he will make our lives perfect and glorious. And that hope, that hope will not deceive us. The congregation out today's troubles and tensions, threats and dangers. People around us, people in this world, and we maybe also are inclined to do in all the tensions and troubles of today, people are inclined to expect a lot from politicians, scientists. They should solve our problems, especially science and technique, are greatly valued. And people who work in those fields are very clever and powerful. And they are hugely commended and admired for what they do and work out. And, and, they truly, they truly come to great things. They certainly do great 
work, no doubt whatsoever. For, beloved, man indeed, man has great power. God himself states that fact in his word. We read it in the Bible. Man has great power. It's written in Genesis 11, verse 6. It's in that story of the building of the Tower of Babel. People, God, God acknowledged people can come to great things. And they have great ideas. They can build the city of God. The city of man. And in that context, God recognizes that man or that nothing, nothing that man plans would be impossible for him to make. He will succeed in it. Congregation, and especially also our young people and students, take note what God indeed says in Genesis 11, verse 6. Indeed, there he confirms that man has great power. He has the ability to succeed in what he proposes. And so, to build great structures, to govern countries, to examine our earth and life on our planet, all that is great and necessary. Yet, what do eyes of those who examine things observe? What do their hands touch? More importantly, from where do they get the strength and power to do their work? To make the plans. Well, clever engineers and builders, as the ones of the Tower of Babel, powerful rulers like Nebuchadnezzar, scientists of today of all the climate challenges, and all those who study geology and the origin of life on earth, all those workers and students should not forget that they are observing and dealing with the mighty and the wondrous works. David praises God about it in Psalm 145. He is the great, most holy God in all the earth. Yes, all things come from him. As God's people, therefore, admire him as creator, stand in awe of his handiwork, observe and meditate, and, and then give him your admiration praise. He indeed is the fountain of all good. His fame, God's fame, is superb. Majestically, 
He made all things in a split second by his powerful word, as Scripture teaches about it, for example, in Psalm 33. That Psalm confirms that God is the almighty God, creator of all things. Not only Psalm 33 confirms that many places in God's word says the same. By his unsearchable greatness, our creator God keeps all things running through his providence. But even more, he is indeed the divine artisan who finishes off his plan for the kingdom, for the coming of a much better world, the new world, the new kingdom, the eternal kingdom of Christ. Well, there is a lot, of course, there is a lot more to say about our exceptionally great God so that we more and more have reason to overflow with admiring and cascading praise of him. Yet closely connected to admiration is adoration. Second element that we would uh, see. With David, admiration flows or gushes spontaneously into adoration. God's greatness and full faithfulness moves him to devoted loyalty. Devoted loyalty to his God. He just can't keep silent about the glorious splendor of his majestic God. His personal experience of other great God he has urges David to share it with others. Personal admiration flows kind of naturally into shared worship with others. His personal admiration praise brings him, so to speak, about that. To sing aloud about it. But then to communicate that to others. And look what the content is of his adoration praise. He gives attention to what uh, he admires in God. His awesome deeds. God's greatness. His abundant goodness. His righteousness. That heaping up of all God's uh, features, so to speak, or characteristics, draws attention to his overwhelming glory again. No one is to be likened to him. And often you hear, indeed, that, that also mentioned in Scripture, that God even, God himself says, who is like me? Who is like me? The obvious answer, scriptural answer, is no one. No one. To celebrate God's uniqueness is clearly to take part in praiseful worship, in adoration to God. And that's also indicated by that parallel sentence, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness, verse 7. Therefore, once again, through David, though David personally is captivated 
by his majestic God. He wants to celebrate it with others. He will celebrate and, and, and share his excitement with others. And, and guess that. Who are the first one with whom David will share his abundant joy? Who are the first ones? Children. Children's children. Beautifully, the psalm states, one generation shall commend your works to another. Or, you can also translate, generation unto generation shall celebrate your works. Some, they also translate, they will narrate your works generation after generation. Now, all those renderings and translations clearly show that adoration praise is passed on to and celebrated with those who are immediately very close to you, within the family, within God's house then. That is then with fellow saints, fellow believers, verse 10. Yet others shouldn't be neglected either. Generally, all are in view. Also, even by that expression, the children of men, verse 12. Thus, come back to children's children, godly parents, godly teachers, and a godly congregation, congregation members, all of they, them, they will and need to tell of God's mighty acts within the family. First of all, of course, they should show that they are overwhelmed by all what God is and does. And next to the family congregation also, the school should be mentioned. Teachers. Well, congregation, you very well know that children and youngsters need to know the meaning and responsibility of the life and view of their adult life. What brings after when they grow up? And what they have to live for? Yes, what are they living? What are they living for? To take up their own assertive life in society? Well, who is number one in David's life? We have seen that, this, that, that he starts this psalm with, I will extol you, my God and King. So he lives, he lives for his God. And I like to thank also that everyone knows here when I ask, what is now the chief purpose of man? What's the chief purpose of man? What does he live for? And of course, the answer given is to glorify God, to praise and adore God, as it is done in Psalm 145. He needs and should be number one in our life. 
as the God of all greatness, goodness, and grace. He needs to take the honored place in our life. And so, beloved, especially parents, take note. Let your children honor and love and thank you because you have coached, you have tutored your children in praising the God of heaven and earth. Therefore, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with them. Let your home be filled with that cascading praise of adoration praise. And that's why we have a book of praise. There are also other hymnals to do so. Open them frequently. Fill your homes with godly songs and music. And your devotions in worship Our text encourages us. Be cheerleaders for the children and the youth of the church. Furthermore, in nature around you and elsewhere, we also see all God's great deeds and his acts, the wonders of God's creation. And we admire and should admire them. And let them make you to adore God. He is God. He is God and God alone. Make them adore on your field trips. And rejoice, young people, about the wonders of God. When you study them at home or at school or at the university, observe in all of that, yes, God's greatness and majesty. Then indeed, loudly praise him in song and music, like David. And we all need to be encouraged to loudly sound, sound out our admiration and adoration of God's work in the world, in the world around us. And that's why the last point is termed as proclamation, proclamation praise. At this stage, I again like to remind you of the statement made at the beginning of the sermon that the Old Testament reveals God's preparation work for the gospel of Christ. As the New Testament is all about. And therefore Psalm 145 shows that God's greatness, grace and goodness isn't limited to the Old Testament nation Israel. Not at all. And of course we know that. God's word in this psalm proclaims the glorious height of worship in God's kingdom. And that is the kingdom of Christ. Therefore, the hope expressed at the psalm's end means that men may acknowledge the kingdom of Christ. That's why our Lord and Savior instructed the church to proclaim his gospel to the ends of the world. And that means that our praise also of today, our praise of this morning is not just finished with the end of the church service. Now it should go on then in the world around you. This cascading praise of our great admiration and adoration. 
Most probably, you have noticed that a very important passage of our text psalm has been skipped so far. That are the important verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. The reference to our scripture reading from Exodus 34. Well, those words give a summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there is no other deliverance from the power of the devil, from sin and death, than through the redemptive work of him, who is the Savior and the Redeemer of the world, our Lord. And so let the world show this, that the peace the world needs and longs for is worked by God as the loving and merciful king of this world, the king of glory, and special Jesus Christ, the Lord. He has all the power in heaven and on earth. Well, that needs to be your proclamation praise around you in this world. First and foremost, again, close by, neighbors next door. Through the cross, he, as son of God, has confirmed God's overwhelming mercy, power, and providence. Indeed, God's highest and most excellent of all works shines forth in the death and resurrection of our Savior. That divine work it is the most admirable and adorable of God's greatness, goodness, and grace. Instead of being self-assertive in our humanistic and self-imposing individualistic world, O people of the Lord, humbly worship the God of all grace and do so in cascading praise, with adoration praise and with proclamation praise, so that we in all flesh may bless God's holy name. And then it follows again those astounding words at the end of the psalm forever and ever. Those concluding words show that there will be no end to our praise because when we die we will enter the glory of heaven there in the city of God the new Jerusalem, not built by man, but by our almighty God. There, we will join the praise of the angels and saints around God's throne. Christ is King of kings, the Lord of lords. Christ has risen from the death. He conquered sin and grave. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Our response is taken also from this Psalm 145, the stanzas 4 and 5. 